Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. I'm so encouraged to be at uh, Southeastern Seminary this morning, and it really means a lot to me that you're here. It really means a lot to me, not because you're here in the room while I'm speaking, because who cares about that? There's a lot of great speakers that are in this room. It means a lot to me that you are here on this campus. It means a lot to me that you are investing this season of your life in being trained and prepared for the adventures that await you out there in the world of ministry, leading churches and going to the mission field and doing all the things that God is going to lead you to do. I'm also so grateful for the faculty and the staff that has invested this season of your lives here at Southeastern Seminary because you believe that training ministers and leaders for the churches of the world is such a powerful calling and such a unique opportunity. And you've given up other opportunities to take this opportunity to do this. And for that, I want to say on behalf of pastors everywhere throughout America, we're grateful to you, Southeastern Seminary. Thank you. This morning, I want to uh, preach from uh, Psalm 6. So if you have a Bible out, you you can turn your Bible on on your device, whatever it is, Psalm 6. And it's it's not a very long psalm. But I do want to talk to you this morning about the pain of loss. The pain of loss. The reason I want to talk about the pain of loss is everybody in this room has lost things. Every one of us in this room has lost things, and if you stay alive, you will lose more. You will walk through times of grief and sadness and questioning, and everybody knows what it feels like to lose somebody that you love, even though many of you are young in your 20s. When you're in your 20s, by now you probably have lost a friend or a parent or a spouse or a child or a pregnancy, or maybe you've lost a sibling. Grief over loss is soul-sucking. It is difficult. There are other kinds of loss too. Maybe you've experienced it yourself. Maybe in your family you've experienced divorce or you've lost a friendship over some issue that came up. Maybe you lost your innocence. Maybe someone took it from you or maybe you gave it away. Maybe you lost a dream of some type and that's what brought you to this place. Maybe you've lost a job that you really wanted to keep. Maybe you've had losses when it comes to your physical health, or maybe in some area of your life, you've kind of lost hope because you believed something was going to be true, and then it turned out not to be true. I'm a pastor, so I do this for a living. I talk to people walking through loss every day of my life. This week in South Florida, I prayed for parents in my church because they want to conceive a child, and they haven't been able to conceive a child, and they've done everything they know to do. And they don't know what else to do, and they need God. They need God to step in and do something in their life that they can't do for themselves. I talked to a man this week who had been to see a prostitute, and then he got convicted about it, and he went and he told his wife, and she's trying to forgive him, and he's trying to become a faithful husband, but they've lost something, and they're not sure they're going to be able to get it back. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get it back either. They need God. I talked to a friend of mine. She's about my age, and her husband is dying of cancer. They have little kids. He won't be alive this time next year without some miraculous intervention. And we all know that he's about to cross through the chilly waters of death, and all of us are hurting for them and with them, and we don't even know really what to say. I need God. All of these things feel almost like death, even when nobody's died yet. C.S. Lewis said it this way, part of every misery is, so to speak, 
the misery's shadow or reflection. The fact that you don't merely suffer, but have to keep thinking about the fact that you suffer. I not only live each endless day in grief, but live each day thinking about living each day in grief. Now, some of you are thinking, I don't know why this guy is such a downer. Dr. Aiken, why did you invite your good friend to talk to us about something so terrible? Don't you want to pump us up? Don't you want to fire us up? We need to be fired up. You do need to be fired up. But the truth is there are people in this room right now and you're walking through unimaginable grief. You are carrying around with you like a weight. Some of you are thinking, I'm not. I'm too young. I haven't ever lost anybody. I don't feel any grief at all. Stay alive. See what happens. Life brings griefs. When that happens, you don't need somebody to pump you up. You don't need somebody to give you a pep talk. You don't need somebody to just give you proof text. You need someone to help you through because you're going to have to go through it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's why we have a church family around us. A church family is there to help us through even things that we can't fix. So let's read from Psalm chapter 6. Psalm 6. Psalm is an honest expression from a godly person about how they really feel about real experiences that happen in real life. That's why when you read the Psalms, you go, wow, I felt that way. No kidding. It's an articulation of things that we all experience and feel. This is what the Word of God says, Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. And this is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, amen. A third of the Psalms are what we call Psalms of Lament, which is fitting because sadness is a huge part of life. As believers in Jesus, it's important that we understand that God understands grief and loss. God doesn't gloss over it. He doesn't minimize it. He doesn't mock it, and neither should you. Grief is a real thing because loss is a real thing. It's part of our fallen condition, and we get to look in these Psalms at how David processes it when he finds himself in a really dark place. I don't know if you like to write things down or take notes. I do. I have a three-point outline. If you don't, who cares? You're not going to be attested on it. The pain of loss, three, three things I want to make, uh, observe in this text. Number one, the pain of loss comes in different forms. 
The pain of loss comes in different forms. And David kind of lays some of this out here. Just look at the text with your own eyes. Verse 1, don't rebuke me and don't discipline me. Be gracious to me. The message version says, please God, no more trips to the woodshed. David is concerned that the loss he is experiencing is discipline from God for things that he's done, which suggests that he believes his own personal failures are contributing to the grief and the loss that he's experiencing. That's why this psalm is often called a penitential psalm, even though there's no specific confession of sin here. So some of our losses and griefs that we bear are a result of our own sinful choices and actions, no doubt. Verse 2, because of that, my bones are troubled. He has physical pain and sickness because of what he's gotten into. Verse 3, my soul is troubled. He's talking about inner emotional and spiritual despair. Some people call this psychosomatic illness. Psychosomatic illness is a real thing. When we say psychosomatic, we're usually talking about people who are imagining symptoms of diseases or ailments that they don't actually physically have. And yet, these two words actually go together, suke and soma, your soul and your body. What happens to your body affects your soul. What happens in your soul is affecting your body. They're intertwined. You can't disentangle them. Psychosomatic illness is a real thing. That's what David is describing. Verse 4 and 5, God, I need you to deliver my life because if I die, nobody's going to sing any praises to you from the grave. Verse 4, who does he need delivering from? Deliver me. Well, in verse 10, he tells you he needs deliverance from his enemies. There are real enemies. Okay, check this out. You need to know this if you haven't figured this out yet. Maybe you think, oh, that was, I left this all behind in middle school. You did not. There are real enemies, real human being enemies out there who can take things from you, who can wound you with their words or their actions, who can assault your reputation, who can falsely accuse you, or even who can physically threaten you. And the stress and the grief and the sheer trauma that you experience by engaging with the real enemies that actually are out there it is soul-crushing and grievous. And so we all know that grief is real, and we all have griefs and sadnesses of our own. Think about my wife, Kristen. I love Kristen so much. and She is such a great Christian and such a nice person and such a, a pleasure of a person to be around. And my wife, uh, we've been married 29 years, and I just can't imagine what it's like what it would ever be like to have life and ministry and my kids and my grandkids without her. I mean, she's just, she's just the light of my life. And a few years ago, my wife lost her dad and she's a daddy's girl, man. She loved her dad so much. And her dad was a hero. Her dad was a, a war hero. who's a United States Marine. I mean, her dad, unbelievable man. I think I have a picture of her dad. We got a picture of him in his Marine uniform. Can we put that? There you go. That's him when he was, that's him right before he went to Vietnam. He went over to Vietnam. He won a bunch of awards. He got wounded and blown up and everything. And he came home and then he became her dad. And, and he just loved his daughter. He was radically saved when my wife was about 10 years old. And God changed his life. And from then on, from the time he was, my wife was 10, all the way until he went to heaven a couple of years ago, he was just such a wonderful father. And my wife to this day, even though it's been several years now, she grieves every day. She misses her dad every day. We talk about him every day. Dr. Aiken, when I was in Louisville, and your boys were in my youth group, I was a youth pastor there, and we had a teenager in our youth group had a heart attack. 
We don't have a lot of teenagers having heart attacks, but that's what happened. They called me over to the hospital, and she'd already died when I got there. I went into the hospital, and she was laying there on a gurney, dead. And her family was weeping over the body of their teenage daughter who had just unexpectedly died of a heart attack. Her family didn't go to church. She just came by herself. And her family was really poor, and they were rough. They reeked of cigarette smoke and body odor. And they were laying all over the gurney. And they were crying out in grief and shrieking and pouring tears out on the body of this girl. I've never forgotten that. I was a 20-something-year-old guy, and I just remember thinking, man, these people are hurting. They need God. And then I would ask, you know, why does God let this stuff happen? Why did God take my, my, my wife's dad? Why did he take my father-in-law? He was still young, too young to go in my opinion. Why did he take this teenage girl unexpectedly with a heart attack? Why? What is he doing? And I don't know why God lets all this stuff happen, but all this stuff does happen, whether I understand it or not. And the losses are real and the griefs are real. Sometimes these griefs happen because we make a bad choice. And so we have regret mixed all up in our grief. And sometimes it's just living in a fallen world. Circumstances that aren't anybody's fault. Stuff happens. And then there are times when I think that God uses all of these losses to build our faith in him because he's preparing us to be a blessing and a comfort to others. St. Paul wrote about that. St. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So sometimes God lets you walk through grief and loss so that you can receive comfort from Christians and from the Holy Spirit and from God so that when someone else walks through grief and loss, you can then share the comfort that you receive with them. What a system. I remember the first time I sat with a family that had lost a baby during birth. This girl had grown up in our youth group. She'd gotten married. I did their wedding. And then they had their first child, and the baby died the same day it was born. And they took the baby, and they left the baby in the room with the mom and the dad, just young parents. And then they took the baby's picture, and they took pictures with the mom and dad, and they took the baby's footprints and dipped them in ink, and they made a little wooden baby chest, and they put the footprints on the top of that baby chest. And I sat there with this girl that had been in my youth group in the hospital room, held the baby, and just cried. And I take tremendous joy now, though, in keeping up with her on Facebook 20 years later and watching her be a great mom to her living children. And she's married to a pastor. They live out in rural Kentucky. And nobody can talk to a mom who's lost a child like she can because she received comfort from the Holy Spirit the most grievous day of her life. And now she gets to offer comfort frequently to other people who have similar experiences. That's how God uses it. Now, when you read this text of Scripture, Psalm 6, it's a pretty confident psalm. All of them are. David is hurting, but he's pretty sure God's there for him. But still, look down in verse 3. He asked this question, how long? Lord, how long? If you've never asked this question, 
you've not lived long enough, you've not hurt bad enough, or you've not been critical enough of a thinker. There's times when you just got to go, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why? You're good. You love me. You're all powerful. You're sovereign. I got my theology right. Why are you letting this happen? I need you to help and you're doing nothing as far as I can tell. I talk to a lot of people who ask that question, why is God doing this? Why is God letting this happen? They also ask the same questions King David asked in this psalm. Is God punishing me for something? Is this happening to me now because I committed this sin back then or previously? Now some of you are sitting out there and you're thinking, this guy, we are at the southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We have our theology, right? We're all strong believers in God's sovereignty. We know all the answers to these questions. Did you not know? We have a nine marks conference right here on this campus. We know everything. And I say, if you think you know everything about grief and loss, again, you haven't been alive long enough. Stay alive and watch. That's what David's asking I'm not 100% sure what David was going through when he wrote this psalm, but he's definitely worried that God's punishing him. Part of him is worried that God isn't paying attention, and part of him is concerned that God isn't actually going to do anything. And one of the reasons that you experience loss and grief is God actually wants to use loss and grief to get your attention. And so if you're experiencing loss and grief, even if it is not a direct result of your sinful actions... When you experience loss and grief, it's easy to God to give God our attention when we're experiencing loss and grief. So I just want to commend that to you. When you're experiencing loss and grief, even if it's not a, if it's not a direct result of your own sins, you should give, take the opportunity to give God your attention. He's trying to get your attention. And if you sin, repent, get right with God, make restitution where you can. It's a good thing to do, even if your grief is unrelated. Related to sin. I, I was recently talking with a Jewish friend of mine. He's not a believer in Jesus, but I've been sharing Jesus with him for many years. And he just said to me, just last week I was in his office and he said, Hey, the reason I can't believe in Jesus, Jimmy, is because of all the bad things and all the bad people in the world. If Jesus is so great, why doesn't he do something about all this? You, you want to know the truth? I have a PhD in this stuff. I have a master's degree. I've been a dean at the seminary. I've taught at the seminary. I teach with Dr. Aiken. I pastor a big church. And you know what I can't do? I cannot justify why God lets suffering happen the way that he does. I can't answer for God. I can't tell you all the reasons why God allows what he allows or why he does what he does. I don't know. It's not even my place to know. And God hasn't asked me to defend him. God hasn't asked me to be his attorney. God's kind of got his own defense covered. So what do we do? We have to live in the tears and the messes and the losses of real life. And those losses come in a variety of forms, just as we can see here in this text. Hey, the second observation I make about this text, the, the pain of loss moves our emotions. Now, some of you guys pride yourself in not being very emotional. I used to do that too. So when I was in my 20s and 30s, I rarely cried. I probably only cried like two times in my life until I was about 40. One of them was the time I told you about, and there was another time, but I just didn't cry. I didn't respond to grief like that. I, did, I don't know if I didn't feel anything. I don't know what it was. I didn't cry. Dr. Aiken, now I can't stop. 
I can't say, we're singing these songs. I'm crying. You're talking about the missionaries in Madagascar? I'm crying. I'm preaching this sermon. You're like, why does he have all these fake tears? It's not fake. I don't know if it's my elevated estrogen levels. I, I don't know what it is. I, 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 I do. It's emotional. Well, clearly the sense of grief and loss that David's feeling is a result of deep emotional trauma. He's upset. He's crying. He's drenching his couch with his tears. He's sick. His bones are troubled. His soul is troubled. He thinks he's going to die. He feels like maybe he's already died on the inside. He says he's in Sheol, another way of saying I'm in a dark place. Many of in this room know, know how he feels. You know, there are times, Dr. Shaddix, there are times when you can go through grief, maybe because of something that's happening in the lives of your children or maybe something in the lives of a friend or in your own marriage or whatever, there are times when you have so much grief that even when you're doing something fun, there's like a 25% compartment of your heart that's not having fun because you're so sad. And you're doing something really fun, but there's a 25% part of you that's just it's not participating because it's, the sadness is too much. How many of you guys in the room, that's probably mostly staff members, anybody in the room have kids that are 18 years or older? Anybody like that? I see you guys, me too. Then you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Because you've walked through some stuff with your kids that just ripped your guts out. And some of you here have adult kids that are not walking with God. And the grief of that never really goes off of your mind. It's on your mind all the time, even when God's doing something amazing. Grief is not wrong for a believer. It is okay to be sad when something sad happens. When something sad happens, you should express your emotions. If you want to cry and you're a crier, go ahead and do that. You should work through the stages of grief. I think the stages of grief are a really good, helpful observation of how we work through things. It's okay for you to see a counselor or a pastor or talk to a trusted friend. And just so we're clear, going to see a counselor is normal. It doesn't make you weird or theologically weak or anything like that. For some of you, it would be smart for you to go talk to somebody who can help you process what's going on in your heart and your mind, especially around grief and loss. And I'll say something else. Your grief may actually last for a long time. Some grief goes away quickly. Some grief stays for a long time. Some grief stays forever. There are griefs that you will never fully leave behind. There are losses that are so powerful, you will never get over it in this lifetime. My mom still cries. 50 years ago, I had a little brother. He lived for one day and he died. They didn't expect it. They didn't know it was going to happen. He was born and then he died. If I bring that up to my mother, 50 years later, she'll cry. She'll cry right now as if it happened yesterday. She's never going to get over it. Kristen, my wife, still cries when we talk about her dad. My friend Kevin lost his dad a few years ago, and it marks him, and he can never truly shake it off. It's been years, but the grief still is heavy on him when he talks about it, especially around the anniversary of his dad's death. Look, when that's happening, you don't have to suffer alone. You've got to find a community of faith. That's what a church family is for. A church family should be a safe place with people who also have experienced grief, who understand what you're going through, who will share your burdens, who will listen to you and not judge you. You know what we need to do when we're grieving? We need to draw a no-judgment grieving circle and just get in it with whoever will get in there with us. God's not upset with your grieving. God's not upset with your questions. This is in the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired David to write it and preserved it for us. David's asking the question, how long, O oh Lord? So if you ask God a question, God's not insulted by your questions. You might say, yeah, I appreciate all of that. That's fine. But I actually need God to help. Where's God? What's he going to do? Well, Jesus told us some really good news. When you are hurting, 
you actually have something better than David had. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He never had that. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. Listen to what Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, so ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to comfort you. It's his job. He is the comforter. He's the encourager, the paraclete. When we're asking God for help, Jesus said the Father will always give his children the Holy Spirit. Man, that's powerful. Of course, we want to show empathy and comfort to one another, but we can make it through with the help of the Holy Spirit and the, the love of our church families. In Psalm 6, David he said that the motivator, the motivator of God for rescuing us and helping us is the steadfast love of God. That is the emotion that motivates God. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. Isn't it the most famous Bible verse in the world? For God so loves the world that he gave his only son. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So never forget that in the middle of our grief we have a God who really does love us and David was confident but he just had Old Testament confidence we have better confidence than David did because we have everything better than David did we have better access to God because we have the Holy Spirit living in us we have a better sacrifice for our sins than David ever had because we have Jesus we have better evidence of God's love for us the, the cross of Christ we have better evidence of a better day coming tomorrow because we have the resurrection of Christ David couldn't see all that the way that you and I know it because he didn't have all the information that we do while we were still sinners Christ died for us and then Christ was raised from the dead so even as we grieve we don't do it as other people who have no hope we grieve as those who have hope and yet it still does stir our emotions and that's real last observation for a christian grief and loss stings only for a season it stings only for a season you say well, wait a minute you just said it could last a whole lifetime your life is only a season this lifetime is only a season thank god for that there are some things that have happened to me and some choices that I have made and some griefs that I've experienced. I'm never going to really get over it in this lifetime. I can't. Oh, but this lifetime isn't all that there is. There's actually, this is just the beginning. The, the life that I'm going to live in the future in the new heavens and new earth will make this life seem so brief. Man, I love what he says in verse 9. The Lord has heard me. The Lord has heard me. Now look, the ancient Jews had a situation where they were offering prayers and sacrifices, but they, they could never be completely certain that they did everything right because there are prayers and sacrifices that were offered and God didn't accept them. And then there were prayers and sacrifices offered and God did accept them. How could they ever really know which was which? We got a better situation we have Jesus who is the perfect sacrifice and he's been accepted. He has been accepted. And because he is accepted by God, we are accepted in the beloved. So we don't have a situation where we're wondering, does God hear us? Is God going to act on our behalf? Is God going to weigh in for us? His son has already done all of that. And even if your sin has contributed to your grief, your sin, and you don't have to carry your guilt around anymore. Your guilt and your sin has been put on Christ. He took all of it on himself and you don't have to bear it anymore. 
man, Jesus has already done everything right. And now we have the Holy Spirit. So God is always with us. And God always hears our prayers, every one of them. We got a better situation than the psalmist did. But the longer you walk with God, the more this confidence in God will grow because over the course of a lifetime, you are just, you're just going to walk through painful loss after painful loss after painful loss. But God will see you through and he'll help you manage your grief. And as he does that time after time, you'll be like the artist David in Psalm 6, experiencing normal emotions in response to life situations. But you'll always be encouraged with the confidence that God is hearing your prayers because Jesus is crucified and raised from the dead and there is hope to come because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So being a Christian means that whatever's happening right now, however I'm feeling, there's this hope and this possibility and this expectation that actually tomorrow could be better than today. Next month could be better than this month. Next year could be better than this year. But even if it's not, there is a life coming that's better than this life. You have to believe that or you can't take advantage of the joys of being a Christian. That's what it means to be a believer in Jesus. Listen to the description of heaven. We're all familiar with in the book of Revelation. John said, I heard a loud voice from heaven, from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. There is a day coming for believers when all of this grief is a former thing that we don't experience anymore. All that crying and all that mourning and all that grief and staying up all night and your bones hurting and your soul grieving, that's going to be the former things that have passed away. And you've got to believe that's coming or this grief is going to drag you down and drown you. Don't drown in the fallenness of this world when you have the new heaven and the new earth calling your name. And right around the corner, you can make it. And the worst part of grief and loss is that when you've already cried and then you got mad and then you lost sleep and you gained weight or you lost weight and whatever you did and after a while, it's possible even for a Christian that you will feel dead inside, numb, like you're already in Sheol, even though you're physically alive. But God doesn't want you to live like that, and you shouldn't. God wants you to look forward and believe that one day he will wipe every tear from your eyes. I haven't done any chores in many years around my house. I don't need to do chores. I have eight children. One of the cho- the problem is they grow up. Now I'm down to three kids left in the house. I'm starting to have to do chores again. I'm like, somebody needs to go out there and pull those weeds. Well, one of the chores that my kids have to do, they have to wash the cars. And what they do is they wash cars and they have their car wash stuff. You guys know what I mean in your garage where you have your car wash stuff? 
you got your different stuff that you do the inside of the car and the outside of the car and the wheels and the tires. And you have a bucket out there that you use. And there's, you guys have a, some form of a big sponge. And what happens to that big sponge is when you leave it out there in between car washes, it dries out and that sponge gets super crusty. Almost like a little brick. I got that in my garage. And what you do when you go to wash the car, when you first take that sponge... You take that sponge and you put it under the water, and when you first turn on the water, the water bounces off the sponge. It's not going to go in there. But if you'll just hold it under that water, in a minute, the water will begin to make its way into that sponge, and soon it'll become saturated, and it'll be soft, and you can use it for what it's made for. And some of you because of the griefs that you've experienced, you've let your hearts become hard like that crusty old sponge. And what you need to do is take your heart and just put it under the water of the Holy Spirit of God, the ministry of your church family, the hope that we have in Christ. And if you'll keep that, at first it bounces off of there. It feels like it's not going to get in there. If you'll just stay in there, God will make your heart soft again. And then your heart can be used for what it's made for, what it's saved for, what you're called to. I'd like everybody to just bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. I'm going to do an old-fashioned uh, thing here. I wonder if there's anybody in the room right now who would just say, Pastor Jimmy, I'm grieving right now. And if you would, are grieving right now, I want to pray for you. I just would like, would you just raise your hand so I can just see? I just want to pray. If you say, I am grieving right now. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Anybody? Don't be, oh, man, in the back, the front, man. Okay. God, I want to pray for brothers and sisters in the room right now that are grieving, questioning, hurting, weeping. God, would you? Through the comfort of your Holy Spirit, the love of their church family, and the hope that they have in Christ, would you pour over them and into them? Give them comfort. Give them hope. Help them to believe more, love more. And as they do it, prepare them for the great future that we all share in heaven. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.